welcome to our third episode of Wildfire Matters, the podcast that covers all aspects of wildland fire management for the Bureau of Land Management, or BLM, where we get behind the scenes to talk with people who manage and protect our public lands and dedicate their lives to the wildland fire profession. Today, Jennifer and I, Carrie Bildow and Jennifer Miss Libby, are talking with our boss, Uh-oh. Jessica Gardetto, External Affairs Chief for BLM Fire at the National Interagency Fire Center, or NIFSI. Welcome, well, Jessica. Welcome, Jessica. I'm glad you could join us today. Thank you for having me here to torture you both. <laughs> <laughs> this is not part of our EPAP. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Here we go. Yeah. Jessica has been with NIFSI External Affairs since 2019 as the External Affairs Chief. Four years prior, she served as the External Affairs Deputy Chief. Jessica and I go way back. We worked at the Boise District BLM together and Jennifer as well as she worked in prevention on garden in Garden Valley. And we've also worked on incident management team. So we have a lot of history. So hopefully we won't get too off topic. Yeah, I think it's like 20 years of pure bliss. <laughs> yes. It's well said, my yes. friend. But um, we could talk about prevention and our lives together and the fun times we have, but we're here for serious business. Yes. 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 To talk about the National Interagency Fire and just what NIFSI does, because people have a lot of questions about that. They think we're an agency. Well, we're not really an agency. We're a place made of a lot of different agencies. So before we go down that road to NIFSI and the history of, Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in fire fuels management. How did you get started and why? I started on a fire crew to pay my way through college and my dad was in fire. And so I just remember one day he was like, boy, your college is expensive. You might want to go get a job, kid. <laughs> and so he said, walk. He took me down to the BLM fire office in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And I filled out a paper application and I got a job as a GS2 wildland firefighter. I'm not sure they hire GS2s anymore. I don't but think so. Yeah. So I started as a seasonal wildland firefighter and then worked on fire crews for a few years to put myself through college and then enjoyed it so much that after college, I went into fire prevention and information and then into public affairs. So we caught the fire bug, right? Like I caught the fire bug like everybody else. And it's, you know, it's funny, like I'm sure you have friends that don't work for the government and they often say things like, man, don't you get bored? And I'm like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> I do not get bored working for the government. Every day is different. <laughs> Every day we're dealing with something new and exciting and challenging, which is not exaggerated. Both for my sure. friends here are nodding. <laughs> That's for sure. Yes. yes. And so we deal with just a lot of really interesting issues at NIFSI and in wildland fire management. And it's a really exciting time to work in wildland fire management. There's a lot of changes going on right now. There are a lot of issues, and which we will talk about in the course of this podcast. Maybe not this one in particular, but other episodes. And just overall, yeah, I, I just have, I'm one of those people I feel that I'm pretty lucky to say that I enjoy my job and I really enjoy the people I work with. Me too. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a common theme we've heard from actually Jolie and Grant that they went to college, they used their degree, and they got into fire, and then like, oh, we're not leaving. Or some sort of government fire management, fuels management type type I work. The same way, seasonal job. It's like, oh, this is kind of cool. And so, yeah, let's see if we can make a career out of it. Yeah. And here we are. And here we are. 
20 years later. Yeah, my mom's like, sorry, no more seasonal work. You need to find a real job. Oh, luckily I got one. So that was like, phew. Turned into a real job. It turned into a real job. I remember that. Like, you need health insurance yes. talk. That was that conversation, yes. We can't front you anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, and the government has great benefits when once you get in. I know. I swear this is not like a federal job advertisement, but I, <laughs> I just, you know, it's just, we were talking about this earlier about how, it just seems like we're having a struggle recruiting the younger generation. And I just, I often wonder if maybe they just don't know that these jobs are actually really meaningful and you actually do make a difference and you work hard, but you also are never bored. <laughs> right. And that's kind of a great lead into NIFSI itself because there's a lot of different opportunities. You don't just have to be a um, firefighter in particular. There's a lot of things you can do, science-based things, contracting, human resources. Um, there's a lot of other fire support type positions out there that support our programs too. Yeah. The gamut, which yes. is part of what NIFSI does. Yes. And as the external affairs chief here at NIFSI, tell us about what you do there and, and why external affairs? Why is it called external affairs? I know. It's funny because we've talked about this as well. Like, well, we actually do a lot of internal affairs too. So I really try to refer to us as public affairs a lot, even though, again, the word public is in there. We do a lot of internal communication. So I'm getting off on a tangent already, and we just started. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so the National Agency Fire Center is this conglomerate of, of eight different agencies plus the Department of Defense. And we all work together in wildland fire management. And like you said, we're a place, not necessarily an organization. And... It all started back in the 1960s when the BLM and the Forest Service realized, like, wow, hmm, it really does make sense for all these agencies to start working together in wildland fire management because fires know no boundaries. And Carrie, in fact, you were just saying earlier that Jack Wilson, who really started the interagency concept and the National Agency Fire Center, was one of the founders, um, was talking about how they his family was telling you yes. about how they would go on these fires and they'd get to like a state line or a different jurisdictional line and they'd say, well, it's the other agency's problem now. <laughs> we can't fight this fire anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, they realized, huh, you know, that, that kind of really it's doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they started NIFSI in, in 1965. It was the Boise Interagency Fire Center then. Got and the weather service involved as well. Weather service, yep. See, Carrie's here to keep me straight. And it just is amazing how it's evolved over the years, and it's evolved with the complexity of wildland fires and wildland fire management, and it's still evolving. I mean, we're talking a lot about climate change and about how the fire environment is changing so rapidly, and it's it's a challenge to manage all of these fires and to ensure that we have meaningful careers and that we're not burning employees out. And it's just an exciting time to work in, in wildland fire management, as I mentioned. And um, the National Agency Fire Center is like the nucleus of all of that. Sure. And so what is our mission at the National Interagency Fire Center? Can you explain that a little bit? Like, do you see it evolving, like plans, priorities, and or strategies changing? So, yeah, we all work together in in wildland fire management and policy and strategy. And we have the National Wildland Fire Coordinating Group where um, they focus on training, they focus on interagency standards and ensuring that firefighters all have the same standards and the same training to follow. And we're just this really diverse 
group of agencies and people. And the campus is 55 acres. And we really address all of these different issues and ensure that really the wildland fire management machine and nucleus continues to function in a, in a high functioning environment. And we also have the National Emergency Coordination Center. So we work in this three-tier dispatching system. And I know we're going to have an episode on the National Emergency Coordination Center and this three-tier dispatching system that we work in. But um, we, we've worked to mobilize resources throughout the country at NIFSI. And then we also have all these different support functions. I think a lot of people, when they visit the NIFSI campus, they have this idea of there's going to be air tankers and hotshot crews and engines and like action which there are there the smoke jumper base is there there is a lot of action definitely but it's also really when you look at it, it's like oh well there's a bunch of buildings but there's really a lot going on in this bunch of buildings there's things like a returns warehouse where they'll take and refurbish what was it more than 52 million dollars worth of equipment in any given year and get it ready for the next fire year. I mean, that's a huge benefit to taxpayers right there. And then we have the bras, we have radios, we have the um, just all these different support functions that really ensure that the wildland fire management machine functions efficiently and that it's continuing to evolve in this changing environment. Yeah, and then like a national fire equipment program, um, mainly BLM, but they are looking at ways to improving our the fire equipment used, like engines, um, safety features on engines to keep firefighters safer when they're out there, um, and, and those kind of things. And they've gotten some national recognition for that, and they're located there as well. And yeah, there's a lot of different functioning parts that all work together. And not only just for wildland fire, um, I know Nick, um, the National Interagency Coordination Center, they're, they're busy year-round um, with all hazard incidents as well. So we've kind of moved into that mode as well, supporting hurricanes. Well, Jennifer went on that. I did, yeah, yeah Hurricane Maria a couple years ago. The other thing, too, there at, at, the, at NIFSI is the Great Basin um, Warehouse, okay. and that's just an, the Great Basin Cache. And so that's the one that just kind of helps, you know, incidents and... Um, training supplies and units and all that stuff. So there's a lot of support functions that um, help the on boots on the ground get things accomplished. And so, yeah, it's it's an amazing place, and I've been working there for about a year. And so, yeah, the Returns Warehouse is my favorite place, I think. I know. I love the Returns yeah. Warehouse. <laughs> they do all these cool stuff. Like, they pack the smoke jumper boxes that, in simplified terms, the smoke jumpers toss out to smoke jumpers on the ground, and it feeds them and provides their tools for – sleeping bags, all everything they need in a remote location for days at a time. And it's just, it sounds like, huh, food boxes, but it's actually really interesting to watch. Yeah, they um, put um, sprinkler kits together too. So those are the kits that they use for um, structure protection on wildland fire incidents. So yeah, it's just, all of those come out and those people are the happiest people I think I've seen on the NIFSI campus. Yeah, I love going over there. And then you have um, our radio cache, the National Interagency Incident Communication Division. Nick D. Nick, Nick D. D. <laughs> it's not Mick D. <laughs> it's Nick D. It sounds like a rap group. Yes. <laughs> Nick D. They get it done. They're hip. Yep. They are hip. They are hip. Technologically hip. And they are, they're working all the time to have radio communications ready for fire incidents and um, one of the largest radio caches in the nation as well there and you go to the NIFSI campus and it looks kind of like there's not a lot of going on but yeah you go in these buildings and people are bustling and moving moving things around yeah 
and yeah, it's all these support functions that really make sure that when there's a large fire threatening your home or your community, these are the people that are making sure the firefighters on the fire line are successful, which is huge. Yeah, and let's and and let's go back to the just let people know the agencies that do work there. We have Bureau of Land Management, of course, and we are the landlord of NIFSI, one of the uh, the founding founding agencies along with the U.S. Forest Service and National Weather Service. And National Weather Service has um, their own their own building there, and they've worked there twenty four seven, even through the pandemic. Um, they're they're always there getting weather, spot weather forecasting, um, working with us on weather forecasting, that kind of thing. And then we have the other DOA agencies, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I think you've covered them. That's the DOI, right? With the BLM, yes. And then, yeah, I think that's it, right? That's yeah. everyone. And then the National Association of State Foresters. So they, they are representing like all our state interests and our local interests along with the U.S. Fire Administration or FEMA that help with those all hazard incidents, but also work a lot with the local and um, state entities as well. So we have representation for all wildland fire um, in, um, in agencies and entities out there that are all kind of working in together and coordinating together our resources. So it's, it's pretty cool. You think about it, big picture. You know, with with the different agencies, and we have many of them have different policies. And this is what I always thought confusing when I started. It's like, okay, I work for the Bureau of Land Management, but I work at NIFSI. So, and and a lot of people when they call, they talk. You know, they ask, well, what is NIFSI doing about this or NIFSI stats? It's like, well, it's not NIFSI. I mean, you can talk about it interagency. And we do interagency things, but then we all still have our own agency policies and directives. But um, just why why have something like NIFSI though, if if all the interagencies aren't really like they have their own policies and and how they do things? It's there's a few reasons, but. One of the main reasons is no one agency can do it alone. So if you have a large wildfire threatening homes um, in, say, Washington, the state of Washington, whether it's Forest Service, um, the local state natural resources department, they're not going to have all the resources they usually need to fight that large fire because fires aren't going year round, right? And we don't have fires in all the same places. They're hard to predict. You're not sure where they're going to pop up. I mean, Obviously, we have an idea by looking at the weather and by looking at fuels, but human-caused fires are really unpredictable. You don't know where they're going to they're gonna start. So long story short, we need all these different agencies to work together to provide the resources to put out these fires. And, of course, fire years can fluctuate, right? We'll have a really bad fire year, like last year, where we have a lot of large wildfires burning on the landscape and we need a lot of resources all at one time. Or we can have a year like 2019 where we didn't have as many large wildfires throughout the, the country. And it really is, as I said, difficult to predict, even though we really do have a science and, and our predictive services folks really do have that down to a science. But again, predicting the weather is never really 100 percent accurate. And it's kind of the same with predicting fires and where they're going to start. So long story short, no one agency can do it alone. So that's why we have the National Emergency Fire Center and we have all these agencies that, that work together. And there's also working together to address certain issues. So now that we're experiencing challenges with these longer fire years and asking 
fire personnel to work longer months. Um, people are going on back-to-back assignments. We have hotshot crews that start out in the Southwest and they work all summer and into the fall on incident after incident. So we need all these different agencies to share these resources so that we can give people a break too. And that's a continual balance. And it's something that we're really working on is how can we provide work-life balance for all these people that are dealing with these longer, more intense fire years and how can we have more resources and work together so that we are giving people the days off they need or that firefighters, if they have a wedding they want to go to, they can take a few days off and go to that wedding and know that there's going to be someone to fill in behind them on an incident. Right. Yeah, and we're looking at like just things changing, like uh, incident management team structure changing as well. We're, we're going to start seeing something called complex incident management teams um, where... We used to have incidents that were um, large fire incidents. We call out teams to help manage those, um, type one and type two and type three teams. And depending on the complexity, they'll kind of expand in size. Um, And this year we're going to see maybe some combination of the team simply for that reason for um, like work-life balance and and these teams, these people on these teams have, have year-round jobs and they go out on fire management teams and they're, they've got usually a fire job, but some of them have just work for an agency too and they have a specific um, position on the team. But used to be you would get on a rotation and you'd go out once a month maybe or once every couple months. Now these guys are going out like continually. Like they're, they're gone all summer long and that's just not manageable for for it, all these people and and we're losing people in those just because of that and they're not they're not at work they're not doing their other job and supervisors are not getting very happy about that so looking at different ways of managing these large fires and that's one thing that Nick does too they they kind of coordinate the, the incident management teams um, and and where to prioritize those uh, with our national multi agency coordination group that is comprised of all the uh, managers from all the agencies. And they will look at um, helping, um, trying to determine where those teams are going to be going and and that kind of thing. So we're going to be seeing changes like that as well. Yeah, you can get totally um, just strung out from being on those teams. In 2020, I was on the Great Basin um, Incident Management Team 1, and we went out six times. And that started with Australia and then the team and then fires and then more into the fall. So, yeah, trying to do your normal job and trying to help and f- support the incident management teams because they need, especially public information officers, that is one of the things that they don't, aren't able to fill in, in many assistance. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really the function of, of NIFSI and this whole interagency wildland fire management concept is no one agency can do it alone and no one agency can tackle these issues alone. And while wildland firefighters are trained and we have all the same standards across all the agencies, we're all really experiencing the same issues with burnout and, and personnel management and really providing these meaningful careers that offer work-life balance. So, yeah, it's it's the whole incident management team and the complex incident management, how that's going to evolve over the next few years is going to be really interesting. Yeah. I'm going to have to do a separate podcast just on that. <laughs> Probably. We'll see how it goes this year. <laughs> But let's go back, like you mentioned, like uh, Jennifer, you mentioned like the the public information officers and we're always struggling. And this is kind of what we do in the summer in our shop is a lot. We give out a lot of information. Um, 
But, you know, and, and we get all kinds of weird questions <laughs> from everything from um, are the, what roads are closed in Arizona because I'm going there or to, you know, I, I have a great idea for square watermelons. <laughs> yes. Yes. For fighting fire. <laughs> square watermelons. Drop sure. them from the planes on the fire. Puts yeah. off the fire. Yeah. So, so as as a public affairs specialist in external affairs, like what what is our kind of mission at NIFSI? So our public affairs mission is pretty multifaceted. I mean, we're doing, as I mentioned, internal and external communication at the same time. So we're really trying to ensure that Congress, elected officials, the president, he visited NIFSI last September are informed that they know what's going on with the current wildland fire situation, but also what to expect, what we what kind of fire year we may have. As I mentioned, we have predictive services at Nick who do an amazing job of really trying to look at what kind of fire year we might have, and then informing the public, working with the public, and then, you know, like staff like Jennifer and Carrie go out on fires and they work with the public to inform them about what's going on with that fire and how they can save their homes in advance from fire and harden their homes to fire. So we have a lot of different things going on at, at NIFSI External Affairs. And again, our jobs are always evolving too. I mean, there's there's a more there's more of a need for public information. There's more of a need for immediate information with social media, digital media. So yeah, it's it's an interesting time to work in public affairs even too. Yeah, we yeah, um we Manage the. We have a webmaster manages our nifc.gov website, which you can go to get like all that information produced is produced by our shop and entities at NIFC. So almost too much information. We did a web revamp a couple years ago, and there was a lot of information on that website. So if you are looking at our website and you see that you're not finding something, you can give us a call, and we can direct you to the right location. Yeah, one of the things, too, that we help, like we talked about incident management teams, is we're helping those public information officers. We create talking points about some of the hot topics that are going on in wildland fire management um, and fuels management to help address some of that stuff that may come up, action on an incident. So I think we just have a diverse things that we do um, all the time. It's, it's I think not one day is the same. Never. Yeah. And the public has a real need to know more about not only what's going on right now with fires, but how we're going to address a lot of these issues in the long term, knowing that we're likely going to continue to see these large problematic incidents across the landscape. I mean, we have these other issues like invasive weeds and cheatgrass changing the Great Basin. I mean, an entire ecosystem is changing in, in a really short amount of time if you look at things ecologically. So it's informing the public about those issues too and how we're working to solve them through science and different types of fire management and fuels treatments and it's just this really complex interesting evolving source of information that we're really always trying to get out in different facets I mean we also have to think about these different different demographics of people I mean we have younger generations who get all their information through social media and then we have people like me who still read a paper newspaper Right. So it's like always trying to figure out how we can get the right information out to the right people at the right time. Yeah. So 
challenge. Yeah, yeah. And finding those target audiences, like which one, like you said, social media to newspaper. A newspaper is old school. We used to send out a news release or put it out there to where that information was. And now we just have to think of all of those audiences in different ways to, to target them, to get them the information that they want and need. Yeah. Never a dull moment. Never a dull oh, moment. Because nope. <laughs> it's kind of too closing. I mean, it's it, what... I mean, we've kind of mentioned it already, but what challenges for NIFC do you see for the future? Yeah, boy, you two obviously can chime in here, but um, it's a lot of it is, yeah, personnel management. Looking at these complex incident management teams and how we're going to handle large wildfire incidents going into the future, knowing that we're seeing a lot of the current and generation retire, which is scary in the in that boy, there's a lot of knowledge walking out the door. Right. I mean, as we've ta- you've heard the uh, saying that it, it takes longer to become a type one IC than it does a doctor, which isn't, I mean, it's true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, managing these large incidents is really complex and intense and it requires a lot of background and knowledge and a lot of logistics and communicating internally and externally and ensuring the public's informed and elected officials and that your firefighters and the fire line are okay. And so, yeah, going into the future, it's going to be really interesting to see how we manage these incident management teams who go out and take over these large fires and ensure that these fires are out and that we're saving communities. And then it's addressing things like firefighter pay and and work-life balance. Um, The Biden administration passed the minimum $15 an hour hour wage for wildland fire personnel, which is absolutely wonderful. I mean, we're recognizing like, you know, we have competition with companies like Costco that are offering, you know, similar wages. And they also mean it also means, you know, you're you're home with your family. And so it's really not a fun job or as fun of a job, maybe. Right. I mean, wildland firefighting, it is it's. As I've, you know, you could Google and you can talk to any wildland firefighter like it's and you've both been there. It's dirty physical work, <laughs> but it's also mentally challenging. And again, like you're never doing the same thing twice. You're never in the same place twice, especially if you're on like a hotshot crew or a smoke jumper or even engine crews. I mean, they do every day is different and you're outside. You're not sitting at a desk it's exciting work. You know, some of it is, yes, you're, you're sitting and waiting for the next fire. You're maintaining equipment, waiting for the next fire and mowing the lawn while you're waiting for the next fire. But it's also this just really interesting, challenging job that I, I hope a lot of people, especially, you know, the younger generations find that excitement and, and realize that this is actually a really interesting, meaningful career. Yeah. And I've met some of my best friends actually, um, in this career. And so yeah, lifelong friends for sure. Yeah. Without a doubt, there's a lot of camaraderie in wildland fire. There is. Yeah. And a lot of different ways you can, or different jobs that you can do beyond wildland fire too. Going into, into GIS or technicians for radios or things like that. Yeah. Like if you like logistics, go into dispatch, if you, enjoy social media go into public affairs like there's all these different things that you can do um after you know just starting out on a fire crew as a summer job yeah and that kind of makes me think too you you were talking about this earlier about just um for the future recruitment issues you know we don't want to make this like a Yes, come work for us. But yes, yes, do come work for us. <laughs> we do need people working in wildland fire, good people and 
and it is a good career. And if you can make it work for your life, it's it's a great opportunity to see different places and be outside. But that is one of our challenges that we're working on, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just going to be really interesting to see how we address that over the next few years. Um, and you know, just watching these kids now as we call them (laughs) start out on fire crews and watching them evolve and come up with these new ideas about how to manage things like days off and rotating people in and out of crews and figuring out how to get people different training and take details and really grow in this career but at the same time like stay with that same crew for years at a time and build this really amazing crew that can tackle anything like it's just it's cool to watch well what does that have to do with nifsi well that is in a nutshell Nipsey. I mean, yeah. it's it's the ever-changing, like, uh, all the different support functions. And, yeah, everything that we do there relies on that on-the-ground firefighter and supporting them and the policies that are made. And us, it's working with the public, but also working with firefighters our, and our firefighters and congressmen, legislators, yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the cool things about our jobs is that we hit almost everything. We are not just one, like you're like Julie's in fuels and planning or there's operations. We hit all of those entities when we're trying to tell a story. We're helping with recruitment. We're providing public information. Um, so we have to know a little bit about everything and have an understanding about everything. And that's where I think some of us have those awesome backgrounds in wildland fire um, can actually like talk about that and have an understanding and can relay that information. Yeah. And, and one last thing I should mention, too, is... One of the issues that we're really working on right now is a firefighter series because it, it sounds crazy to people who aren't familiar with fire, but that there's really no technical series for wildland firefighters. I mean, they're forestry techs, they're range techs, but they're not technically firefighters, which is a trip. Yeah. Um, and it's something that like, you know, the BLM Forest Service, all these agencies have been working on for years, but we've met some challenges and, and OPM Office of Personal Management is in charge of developing all these government series, right? And so that's what they're doing right now is working with OPM to develop the specific firefighter series, which is like, geez, 20 plus years in the making. And it's just going to be really interesting to see how they tackle things like training and requirements for these jobs and how we can solve a lot of these issues with just creating a specific job series. Right. Well, I know people have that issue, like looking for, yep. yeah, I want to be a firefighter, but there's like range technicians. What is that? You know, <laughs> it's like, and when I started, well, that's what I was too, a range yeah. technician, fire prevention officer. Um, yeah, I was a forestry tech. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when it was first developed, we didn't see fire. We saw fire seasons. They were shorter. They didn't, they weren't fire years quite then. <laughs> and then, those positions were kind of designed to cover fire, but other things um, in the field. So, yeah, but now we definitely need to develop that professional workforce looking to create that series would be good. Yeah, that's some good background there, too. Like, firefighters started out really as it was a summer gig that you did wearing jeans. And, you know, people would, like, drink beer after they finish <laughs> right. the fire. Yeah. Like, things are way different now. Can't do that now. <laughs> and there's this, yeah. There's this need for year-round wildland fire management and then addressing all of the fuels management needs in in the the quote-unquote off-season or, you know, when we're not experiencing fire activity. So, yeah, it's just um, NIFC does a lot. And 
yeah, like we were saying, you know, it looks like just a bunch of buildings, but boy, there's a lot going on in those buildings at any given time. <laughs> right. Is there anything else you would like to add before we finish up for the day? Gosh, I, yeah, I think we, we covered it pretty well. I mean, other than like me getting really bureaucratic and <laughs> talking about a lot of details, which I think would bore people to death. Um, <laughs> is there anything I'm missing though? No, ladies? I don't think so. Yeah. I think we got a good yeah. cover of everything. And I think it covered the acronyms. So there's always more acronyms yes. coming out. Oh yeah. Boy, <laughs> I still find myself Googling government acronyms. Yes. Like, wait, what does that mean? So yeah, we love our acronyms. I'm the sure government. there's a handout somewhere yes. that we can or refer we to. Make a handout. NWCG Glossary. Yes. That's yes. a good start. All right. Well, thank you, ladies. Yeah. Thank Thanks. you, Jessica. We appreciate you joining today for our third Wildfire Matters and taking the time because I know you were rushing here. And that's another thing. Jessica's like getting pulled in all directions and she like ran in here in a frantic because she's like <laughs> getting asked to do 500 things before she left office today um <laughs> but you made it so i'm here and i'm sweaty let's go <laughs> yeah. but yeah but thanks for just kind of going over what nifsi does is it you know it is people kind of wonder that i still always get questions about you know what is the agency doing well you have to explain it multiple agencies working together so it kind of depends on what agency you're looking at and what do you want <laughs> what do you want to cover um but why it's important to wildland fire and all hazard incident management and um, the mission of external affairs and communicating our mission to serve the public as well. So another important thing. Yeah, a lot of people when they say NIFSI, <clears throat> oh, that's the big tower by the Boise Airport. Yes, yes. that's us. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> when you fly in, out of, in and out of Boise, yep. the tower with the fire on it, that's NIFSI. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks, Jessica, for joining us today. And if anyone has any questions, comments, or even suggestions on different topics for our podcast, please email them to us at BLM underscore FA underscore NIFC underscore comments at BLM.gov. And please use Wildfire Matters podcast in the subject line. To learn more about NIFSI or the BLM, please visit our website at www.nifsi.gov and follow us at BLM Fire on Facebook Twitter, and Instagram. Yeah, and thank, thank you all for listening. And please join us next time when we spark a conversation with one of our mitigation education specialists to talk about Wildfire Awareness Month coming up and how homeowners, communities, and the public can better prepare for wildfires. Until, Until then, then, stay safe and be wildfire, wildfire aware. aware.